of the meat that they do they use for it is that uh is that facts or is that just some stuff you're saying speculation speculation give me those delicious delicious chemicals then if i got fancy jerky over there in portland though vegan vegan jerky I tried to apply it. I think it was Jack's Links when I was at Iowa State. They had a uh, like a career fair. I tried to apply for an internship at the Jack Links factory, and they were not interested in me. Their loss, right? Your loss too, but it was also their loss. I picture that place as just having like unlimited free samples of beef jerky. Like I toured the blue bunny plant one time and they just have freezers all over that entire facility. So no matter what your job is, you can just grab ice cream treats throughout the day. There was a period of about three months. I worked at super value up in uh, the twin cities and they, it's a grocery chain and they own different chains of grocery stores all over the country. And they would have product testing like all the time that you could sign up for. And it was fantastic. Nice. Every other day I got to go sample some type of food and give my, uh, my feedback on it. I did that a little bit at target, but it wasn't, uh, it wasn't quite as often as it was at super value. So that was, it was always nice. You would schedule it like right before lunch. And then that was half your lunch. It's great stuff. Does your current place of employment have a lavish free employee lunch situation or do you have to pay? It is definitely not, uh, not free and it's not really all that lavish. Um, there used to be a couple food places, um, had a blimpies. I think that was the last time Ooh. I've ever seen a blimpies. Yeah, say is blimpy around there. Anymore? Yeah, I guess so in some places, but, um, they've changed the food courts. There's a couple different food courts in the, the buildings that we have and, They've changed them over time and they've kind of gotten worse, it feels like. Um, and so kind of towards the end of uh, before COVID all started, I wasn't really ever, I usually just always brought my lunch anyway, but even less that I actually want to eat on campus. And if I did eat somewhere, I'd just go to a restaurant somewhere around the buildings and pick up some food. But it's not free and it wasn't overly tasty and the options were kind of getting blah. So all in all, not a good setup. Well, I know you're all enjoying our riveting workplace lunch conversation, but we're going to jump right into this episode 31 of the Sports Gospel Podcast. Happy to have you all with us. We recorded a couple episodes tight together, so it feels like it's been a while, but happy to be back with you. Happy to have Shannon and Kevin back on after a nice long sabbatical for them to go off and do whatever it is they do on their weeknights. But we're going to get back into mostly a football-based episode this week, a little bit of NCAA and a little bit of NFL after we did a couple... We did a baseball episode, we did a basketball episode, so we're going to get back into the pigskin this week. And I've concocted a game, a uh, cliche sports talk game, called Fact or Fiction. So I'm going to give you five statements. We'll do the NCAA first, and then we'll do NFL, five statements per league. You can tell me they are fact or fiction. Fact or fiction, question number one for NCAA football. USC is the most disappointing college team so far this year. Fiction. This, this is where you would say that the team that actually is. <laughs> oh. You have to have an answer. <laughs> Support for your answer. So, okay. Um, 
other other nominees may be Iowa State or Clemson or really the entire Pac-12. Florida State is two and four. North Carolina, four and three. Going through some of the teams we may have thought a little bit more of. Indiana, two and four. I think another good contender. Wisconsin sitting there at three and three. Illinois, or not Illinois, Nebraska, three and five. So plenty to choose from, but just based on expectations, the history of the program, uh, the fact that they're sitting there at three and three right now, they already fired their coach. I think you expect so much more out of USC. Even when USC is down, you still, still expect a nine or 10 win team. The fact that they are three and three and two and three in conference, not a good sign for the Trojans. So that was my thought process on why I thought USC may be the most disappointing team. I'm going to say fiction. And I'm going to say fiction because, well, first of all, I didn't think they were going to win their division to begin with. Um, but since they fired their coach, it seems like even when they get blown out and lose to sucky teams, it's hard to really take much out of it. Like what's, what's left going on? All the coaches around, like they're pretty sure they're not going to be there anymore. How invested are they? The kids that want to leave, go to NFL transfer, whatever it is. Um, it's hard to kind of take their, their season very serious once that happened. Um, the only way I might see fact is before he got fired, they're pretty, that loss of Stanford that led to that. I mean, that was a blowout to a team that's going to be what six, maybe seven wins if that. So that was pretty disappointed. My, uh, my answer would be Indiana, which maybe didn't have like the, the highest profile and you're not going to probably expect them to be contending for a playoffs, but they were pretty good last year. They returned nearly everybody. They got some transfers in to fill in some of the gaps and they have a hard schedule and maybe you wouldn't expect them to be great. And some of these losses you might think they might lose, but the blowout to Iowa to start the year was pretty bad. They barely beat Western Kentucky. Um, they got Ohio state coming up and the way they've been going, they just get their doors blowing off of them after being really close to Ohio state last year. Um, it seems like for everything they had lined up, their coach had a, a lot of talk about their coach last year about the team just going in the right direction and not just losing, but losing by a lot and barely beating bad teams. And, um, I've been very disappointed in Indiana's results. I, I'm going to go back to LSU. I've tossed a few teams around in my mind. So I'm going to say LSU just because coming off a national title two years ago, you should have one of the top recruiting classes, which they did, um, but they weren't able to to make anything produce. Um, they're four and three. That's that's a team that should be six and one just by looking at talent alone. So, uh, LSU is my answer for that one. Sticking in the SEC, another team I thought was competing for this mantle is the Florida Gators, who kind of snuck up on me how bad they've gotten. They're four and three. Rumor has it that Dan Mullen may not be as safe as we thought. And I was all in on the Gators. I thought if anybody was going to compete with Alabama in the SEC, it was Florida. Little did I know how good Georgia was going to be. It looks to be Georgia and Alabama are head and shoulders above the rest of that conference, despite the loss to Texas A&M. So I think the Gators are also making a, a good case for this, but just a weird topsy-turvy year. I think a lot of teams that we have went from the bottom to the top and the top to the bottom. We'll touch on a few more of them here in a minute. NCAA Factor Fiction Question 2. Two Power 5 conferences will miss the playoffs. Fact. I like it. Pac-12 and the ACC. That would be two of them. Thank you. 
So who do you have in their place? Are we, are we putting that much faith in Cincinnati? And then a Cincinnati, Notre Dame, Cincinnati, Notre Dame, a second big 10 or sec team. No, I'll go, uh, I'll go Georgia, Cincinnati, big 10 winner. Um, and probably I would say the big 12 winner will have, you know, Oklahoma at the most, if they win the conference at the most, probably one loss. Um, so that would get them in there. And if they happen to fall, I still think you probably get another SEC team in there. But at the same time, I still think Alabama is probably going to lose again. And then everyone else is at two losses at that point, it seems like. So maybe maybe a backdoor entry from Kentucky, who they play still. Ooh. But they will not be in their conference championship game. They will have one loss if they can win out against the vaunted Vandy and South Carolinas of the world. Um, so let's go with Kentucky. I, I don't know who they play. I haven't looked at their schedule, but I'm going to say Kentucky goes 11 and one. They don't make it to the SEC championship game. Alabama is going to lose to Auburn. They might not even make the championship game. Georgia's going to kill somebody from the SEC West and Kentucky. Or I guess I have an alternate to not just Kentucky, but in the same fashion, a big 10 team like Michigan going 11 and one losing to Ohio state, but still getting into the playoffs. That Do way. you want to talk through this on the remaining Kentucky schedule? Sure. They, we got? they go to Mississippi state. Okay. When they host Tennessee. It's probably trickier than it should be, but a win. They go, uh, they go to Vanderbilt. Yeah. They'll win that. They host the mighty New Mexico state Aggies. That's almost as bad as Vanderbilt. Probably actually worse. Okay. <laughs> and they end the season with their traditional rivalry that I'm sure has some bluegrass theme title at Louisville. So that's that and Mississippi State are the two the two hardest games, it seems like. Um I mean they could definitely lose either of those teams. I don't think they're good enough to easily walk over that, but I will say they get there at eleven one and then let's uh Let's take Michigan also at 11 and one nice. and there'll be a battle to uh, talk it out between those two uh, to see who should get in. I'll say fact as well with far less thought into it. Uh, you would probably be able to get some pretty good money on Kentucky making the playoff as well as Michigan right now. My fear with Michigan is, you look at the Big Ten East, Michigan, Michigan State, Penn State, and Ohio State, all four of those have yet to play each other. They're going to end up beating each other around Robin, and they'll all finish 10-2. and two. And the, whoever comes out of the East, I, I don't know, at 10-2, and two, can they be left out of the playoff, especially if Cincinnati still is undefeated, maybe. Um, so, yeah, it's a fact that two Power Five conferences will be out. And I... I struggle to say it, but it is, I think it's very interesting this year with, I get that it's different pollsters, but you're seeing respect for Cincinnati, which is great to see them, I believe number two, as we're recording this, to see them getting the respect they are. So you think they'd be in. What I worry about is Georgia losing to Alabama, because I think you have your usual fly in the ointment of two SEC teams stealing a spot. If Georgia runs the table, Georgia beats Alabama in the SEC title game. That saves us there. You cannot put two loss Alabama in the ACC. Clemson could end up being a 10 and two team, 11 and two team, whatever it may be. 
I don't think Wake Forest runs the table. I don't trust NC State or Pitt. I think the ACC is in trouble. I think the Pac-12 is in trouble. Oregon could run the table, but they have looked very bad. They, they're trying their best to lose to Cal and Arizona. Yes, they beat Ohio State, so that's a huge feather in the cap. And like you mentioned, all the Big Ten East teams are going to beat up on each other. As fun as this Michigan State story is, they could still finish eight and four. I think when, the, when that's all said and done, I think it's down to Ohio State and Michigan. Probably going to be a rematch against Iowa because the Big Ten West is awful. So I think Iowa will probably end up in the championship game against Ohio State or Michigan, and I don't think they have the horses to get over that. So I don't think the SEC gets left out. I don't think the Big Ten gets left out. I think Cincinnati can run the table. I think they would be in. And then I think you're left with a very interesting fourth spot. I don't – Oklahoma's not that great for me. They, we can get to this in a minute here. They don't have their quarterback situation figured out. I don't trust Iowa State, Baylor, Oklahoma State. There's a team sitting there I don't think we've mentioned, and that's Notre Dame. I think they're the team – they don't have too tough of a schedule. I think North Carolina is their toughest opponent left, and that's maybe because I'm a sucker for this North Carolina Tar Heel team more than I should be. So I think you're looking at Georgia, the Big Ten champion, be it Michigan or Ohio State, Cincinnati, and then I think you'd go Notre Dame. So as weird as it feels, I think you do have two of those conferences, three of those conferences maybe being left out. So a crazy, crazy year, but this is what we've wanted from the playoffs. Give the little guys a chance to change it up. We don't want to see two SEC teams in every year. So really a year of opportunity to see some different faces getting into the postseason. So let's do a hypothetical quick while we're here. Sure. So say Wake Forest goes 11-1, and one, um, losing to somebody, but they still win their division. They win the ACC championship game. So at 12-1, and one, the ACC feels pretty weak. That means Clemson's probably going to lose at least one more, maybe two more. Um, no one else seems really strong. Would they at 12 and one get in over an 11, one big 10 or sec team? Cause it doesn't seem like they would. As, as just like a runner up or the conference champion. They're the conference champion. They go, they go 11 and one and they win their conference championship because 12 and one. Do they get enough credit to, uh, but are you, are you jump? saying the big 10, are you saying like Michigan at 11, one as yeah, the champion, well, as the runner up? Yeah. Michigan 11 and one, they lose to Ohio state. Ohio state goes and wins the big 10. Okay. Michigan finishes 11 and one with the only loss to Ohio state. I think as, as weird as this feels to say, when you look at wake Forest schedule, I think you'd have to give them the chance because they still have army, North Carolina, NC state and Clemson left to play. So the meat of their schedule is ahead of them. They barely snuck past Syracuse. So that hurts them. But I think if wake forest can run the table here, hypothetically, I think you absolutely have to give them a chance as weird as it feels to say, that I don't I don't think you can take a second conference team over uh, 11 or 12 and one conference champion. Especially since the committee came out years ago and said how important it is to play a conference championship game like that figures in big time in the in the selection process. So given that scenario, Wake Forest gets in pretty easily over a Big Ten team that's not even in their title game. And Darren, I'm going to go very much against your Notre Dame pick. And I'm going to say if there is anybody in any Power 5 conference that is 11-1, they get in over an 11-1 Notre Dame team. Hmm. For sure. I agree with that. So you go Notre Dame. So Notre Dame loses to Cincinnati. They lost their one tough game. They barely beat Florida State, who's terrible. They barely beat Toledo, who's also terrible. They're a terrible MAC team. They beat Purdue after Purdue's best player got hurt. It was closer before that. They beat Wisconsin, and after Wisconsin threw about 14 interceptions, lost to Cincinnati, got lucky to beat Virginia Tech. They should have lost that game. 
USC is terrible. UNC is way below where they should be. Navy is terrible. Virginia's terrible. Georgia Tech, not very good. Stanford's all right. They're probably going to lose to Stanford. But even if they win all those games, nothing's impressive there. One team that's decent, they lost to. And even when they're winning, they don't look very good. I think if any team from a major conference gets to the same record as 11 and 1, they're going to have better wins. Most likely, that loss is a decent loss, and they're going to get in over Notre Dame. So let's let's take a hypothetical from your hypothetical. Let's say we get Georgia, Cincinnati, Oklahoma, run the table. Those three are safe. You're left with your Wake Forest one-loss conference champion, Oregon one-loss conference champion, Michigan one-loss conference champion, and Notre Dame. Does that, have to, does that have to go to the Big Ten just by strength of conference? It's a – I don't know about that. It's a TV show to make money. Oregon's going to bring some money, yeah. too, to that. Yeah, Oregon, Oregon for sure. If they only have one loss – I don't think it's a conversation. I think they're way ahead of all those other teams, even if they're just barely skating by a bunch of average teams. Yeah, they're not playing well. If you, I don't if think you know, they'll just do the one loss without CJ yeah. Verdell, but if they do, I would, I'd say they're in. Since I don't think we'll talk about the Pac-12 again, if you've not watched any Pac-12 football, um, Oregon has not been playing well this year, and they have USC a road trip to USC coming up this week. I would not be shocked if UFC. UFC UCLA rolls over them. Plus you still have trips to Utah and against Oregon state and the no longer called the civil war. So I'll be shocked if the ducks can do it, but yeah, if they can make it, I think it's an interesting debate. I'd like to stay in the pac 12 Darren, just yes. for a moment here as a chance to, to maybe reflect on Saturday night's Utah performance. If we go back about six weeks on this show and recap, uh, each of our Pac-12 South picks, and uh, I had told you that Utah was going to win the South. Kevin was was uh, all over Arizona State. He he wanted them in the national title game, all this great Arizona State talk. And I was like, no, man, Utah's the team to beat. And sure enough, for the first half, Arizona State is just crushing Utah, making them look like the JV. But Utah knows how to play four quarters of football and they came out on top and now are in control of their own destiny in the Pac-12 South. Go Utes. Oh, I was I was very anti-Arizona State as well. I don't know what Kevin and the rest of the world saw in the Sun Devils to think they were so great. Granted, my faith was in the two Los Angeles schools, so I cannot, uh, I cannot revel in your Utah glory other than to enjoy Kevin's loss. Yeah, Utah. So Utah, let's see, they got st- at Stanford. They could lose that. Oregon State. Tough. Oregon. They got some hard games. UCLA. Got a lot of hard games out there. They, they could still easily screw that up. UCLA is really what the- I want. It's, I want them to lose just one more game because one more loss gets me to win my under bet on their season of 9.5 wins. So really, we're just looking for one loss, and I will, uh, I'll be okay if Arizona State doesn't win the division. Though I do have a bet on Arizona State winning the South, so it'd be great if they lose a few more times. But and, one loss is – I'll settle for one loss. And we're not going to get into any political debate or hot-button issues, but just a, a, story, a story if you have not heard it this week. I don't know how well this is spreading nationally, but the Washington State coach, Nick Rolovich, who actually did quite well. I was looking at the, their standings. They are 4-3 and three and somehow in the thick of it in the Pac-12 North. I thought they would be horrendous. But Nick Rolovich, their coach, refused to get the vaccine. He absolutely said he will not get it. And the states of Oregon and Washington mandated all public employees – 
all state employees must have the vaccine. And he said, I'm not getting it. So they fired him, which I thought was stunning. Usually as a football coach or a football program, they find some loophole. But the state said, nope, you're losing your job. So it's a very interesting story. And yes, there's a lot of layers to it if you want to get into it. But that's not what this show is for. Just a very, very interesting topic of a coach losing his job because of the vaccine and a coach who is actually doing quite well seems to be quite well liked by his players. And I think a name you'll hear pop up again at a different job in different places in the country. I think he'll in in very short order, we'll find a job in other states where they're more forgiving on the COVID vaccine. But very, very interesting story out of the Palouse. All right. Question number three, not blitzing through these as fast as I thought. This may be a shorter one. Question three. There is a better mid-major team than Cincinnati. And for for some reference on this one, looking at who else we have out there, SMU is also undefeated at six and zero. Oh boy, uh, you have U- UTSA is seven and zero. And where did I? I had all these in front of me, and then I lost them. Coastal is also undefeated. Yes, that's what I wanted. Coastal Carolina is also undefeated. So you have basically those are your options: Coastal Carolina, UTSA. Or SMU, can you make an argument any of them are better than Cincinnati? I could argue SMU. Uh, Sonny Dykes is the coach there, and, and he's pretty legit. I'm shocked that he hasn't gone back to a major school. Uh, Cal got rid of him at one point, which look at how stupid that was. Um, they're about the only team that could compete. Uh I don't know how to answer your fact or fiction part there because, man, I, I certainly wouldn't bet on any of them beating Cincinnati, but if any of them had a chance, it'd be SMU. The answer is fiction. Um, I think the SMU game will be pretty exciting, and hopefully they keep winning. So when they play each other, and they'll probably have to play each other twice in two weeks. Is that how the Americans are doing it? Top two teams in the championship game? I think that's how they did it last year. This would be, be twice um, in a three-week um, period. Yeah, so that first game, it's at Cincinnati. Maybe get some college game day or something there for that if SMU is undefeated too. So that would be a pretty pretty exciting game for the AAC before it all falls apart after this year or next year or whenever. But um, Houston is winning games, which they seem pretty terrible at the beginning of the year. Who they lose to, Texas Tech or somebody like that? And so they're probably not great, and they're not in the same category, I'd say, as SMU and Cincinnati. But you could kind of have uh, three teams there duke it out a little bit at the top of the AAC. And I don't think anyone outside the AAC was really close to the conversation, but it's still fiction. It's, I agree. It's my own question. It's, it's fiction. Cincinnati is the best. I think if they can both go undefeated, that November 20th matchup could be great with SMU and Cincinnati. Should be a game day live type game i was quick i was just wondering if i could get one of you to take the bait on coastal carolina have enough faith in the chance it clears all right question number four factor fiction spencer rattler ends the season as the oklahoma starting quarterback fiction by virtue of leaving the program transfer portal or by getting beaten out for the job or by leaving early to prep for the nfl he will, uh, he'll stay there and he'll sit on the bench till the end of the season. Um, it's probably going to be hard to go to the NFL after the year if you've sat on the bench for the last however many games and placed by an 18 year old kid or 19, however old he is. So I would say he's going to have to come back for one more year. 
but he'll stay at Oklahoma, hang on till the end. You never know. They might need him at some point. It seems like the Caleb Williams is going to run a little bit more. At any point in time, he could go down, and they're still in the national title hunt. Um, if at any point in time they start getting a couple losses and they're not going to be in the playoffs, then maybe he'll duck out early. But um, he'll be there. He'll be on the roster through the end of the season. So is that fact? Is that where we're at with this? We're saying that would be not fiction. It's not the fiction. Fiction. Yeah, fiction because he, he will be the backup staying on the roster through the end of the season, whether it's a big uh, bowl game or a playoff game. He's not dumb enough to enter the transfer portal now, nor is he going to be good enough to make it in the NFL after this. Um, he reminds me of a more successful Tate Martell. Like, uh, what a name drop. Yeah. So uh, fiction, he'll be on the team as the backup. And this, I would have to look. I wonder if this has ever happened in recent history or when the last time it was where the guy that people are saying is the number one overall draft pick gets benched midway through the season. It's, I have not been sold on him. I'm, I'm willing to give him the benefit of the doubt, and he was highly touted for a reason, but I did not see number one NFL quarterback on him. I think he needs a lot more grooming before he reaches that level, but it's so fascinating to me that a guy goes from the top draft prospect to not starting on his own college team, so... Very, very fascinating to me. Unless you want to drop names like Tate Martell and Mitch Mustaine and Ryan Mallett. Probably not. Uh, Tate Martell was fun to watch when uh, Iowa State played against him. He got a few snaps out there and got smashed around a couple times at UNLV. Um, Jalen Hurts was probably not anywhere close to being a first-round draft pick thought of, but he was a highly successful quarterback that got benched and lost his job. Shannon, are you about to go through a power outage? I wondered if you'd be as annoyed by that as I am. My <laughs> light is gonna one of my light bulbs is burning out and it's really irritating. It kind of looks like you're in a rave. I wish I were. <laughs> All right. And our last NCAA factor fiction, the current Heisman favorite is a non quarterback. Fact? I don't even know. I haven't even thought about it. That's kind of my point. Like, who's the Heisman favorite right now? Nobody's really being talked about. Nobody's separated from the pack. I feel like we entered this year, somebody kind of hit the reset button on college football where there's really no big names. And kind of the two guys I was looking at are Bijan Robinson from Texas and Kenneth Walker III at Michigan State. You have two running backs putting up great numbers as much as we think Brees Hall should be the top guy. So there's – I think these running backs, when you look at Michigan State, they are entirely – Kenneth Walker III is making this team run. None of the wide receivers, I think, are really big-name guys. And looking at the top quarterbacks, you mentioned Sonny Dykes. SMU throws the ball a million times a game, kind of like Mississippi State, Fresno. They all throw the ball. I don't really think there's any big-name guys. I think Bryce Young is having a decent year. Matt Corral, Spencer Rattler, all these guys. I don't think anybody's really separated from the pack. So I think if I, if they ever gave me a Heisman vote, I would be between Kenneth Walker and B. John Robinson at the moment. So it's um, this is probably I'm saying like college football kind of been the the best part that the Heisman race might actually be interesting this year. Um, kind of looking down the list, still they give Bryce Young the best odds, but Alabama takes another loss. I don't know if he's doing anything super special that's gonna keep him at the top. Um, C.J. Stroud, if Ohio State just keeps on winning and winning, and he gets numbers, he'll probably be up there pretty high. Um, you know, Kenneth Walker will probably keep getting his yards and will be up there, but Michigan State 
And uh, if they keep losing, they got to play some better teams, Penn State, Michigan. Doesn't get very many yards, kind of gets shut down. Um, Caleb Williams is surprisingly high for starting one game. So I don't know if coming that late into the season he can make a run at it. Um, but yeah, it's like, I don't see anyone. I'm like, yeah, that's, that's the clear front runner right now. So a non quarterback, I'm going to say fiction that's going to be a quarterback, but I don't, I don't know who the answer is of who's the favorite, but fiction or fact. I don't know what was the right answer for that question. Your answer would be fiction. Fiction. Yeah, that's right. Fiction. Shannon's busy looking up how to fix interior lighting. <laughs> I said fact, but I really didn't have anything to back it up. So I just was going to let it go. Okay. All right. Well, we will jump over to the NFL here. Maybe pick up the pace on this. Fact or fiction question one for the National Football League. Arizona is the best team in the NFC right now. Fiction next. <laughs> Fiction, Green Bay Packers and Dallas Cowboys are both better than the Arizona Cardinals. Are the Cardinals the best team in their division right now? Yes, because they beat the Rams. Um, However, you ask that question in 10 more weeks and it'll be a different answer. Yeah, I'm... The, the Cardinals are a fun story. I had them as about the seven seed getting into the playoffs. I think they're playoff worthy, but I'll be shocked if they can hold on to this. It'd be a great story. But when it came down to it head to head, I think I would take the Rams or the Packers. Still not sold on the Cowboys at all, but those, those two teams for sure, I think are still, still a touch ahead of the Cardinals. Question two, and this one's going to hurt, you know, get a little close to home for one of us. Baltimore is the best team in the AFC. Fiction. They don't. Uh, they don't have enough to to make it work in the playoffs. There's there's a difference between the regular season and the playoffs. Um, and I think you you could see that last year. You know, everyone's kind of excited and made that hurdle. They won a game in the playoffs, um, but they need more. You know, they got three, four, five, six old running backs right now out there doing it. Like how long are those guys going to I don't even know if they're doing much, but um, you know, your receivers aren't anything special. Your running backs aren't anything special. Um, at some point you need a little bit more than just Lamar Jackson doing everything. Um, and great regular season team. And who knows, they could be maybe gain home field advantage in the, the AFC, but I think I'd probably pick one, two, maybe even three more teams ahead of them to come out of the AFC. Says the man wearing the Bills hat. Not biased. Mm. Just facts. I I will take fiction on this because uh, Buffalo is better. And and I think when the Browns get healthy, they're better. So here's here's my reason with Buffalo. I freaking love the call last night. It was fourth and one, and uh, McDermott's like, hey, we're going to score a touchdown and win the game. He could have kicked a field goal and taken it in overtime. I love the call to go for it. Um, That shows your team that you have faith in them. Uh, They've got so many playmakers on that team on offense. It's just unreal. Like, 
they they are so good and they're balanced and they're deep and their defense is scary like they're gonna get it right if if you're going through these bumps during the season and you're gonna hit your stride in December and January great I'm here for it so uh it's fiction because the the Ravens are not coming out of the AFC um you've kind of already listed some of the things that they have going for them but with with the Browns and the Bills there, who knows if Kansas City or the Chargers are going to get it right? But it's it's not the Ravens, so fiction. I'll I'll go fiction on this because I'm still on that Buffalo bandwagon despite them losing on Monday night. I do agree that going forward is a good gutsy call. The Bills can afford a loss here or there. They're basically they're playing for playoff seating. They're going to win that division because the AFC East may be the worst division in football right now. Baltimore really impressed me, though, with what they did to the Chargers. I have been very anti-Baltimore this entire season. I didn't think they were a playoff team, so they've really shown me up. A lot of, a lot of crow piling up for me to eat on the Ravens here early in the year. I really thought the Chargers were the real deal, and they got exposed. So they have a lot of growth to do. Tennessee really intrigues me as a wild card. I love Derrick Henry. Talk about NFL MVPs. He should be up there in that conversation. He's a monster. Tennessee does everything they need to do. I think you have a very wide open race in the AFC right now. I feel like the NFC is going to kind of get boiled down to your Packers, Rams, Buccaneers. But in the AFC, Chargers, Chiefs, Titans, Ravens, Browns, Bills, you've got a lot of teams. And dare I say the Bengals may actually be a playoff team. Perish the thought. They're 4-2. They're hanging right in there as a top 10 team. I don't know if we want to get too too excited about the Bengals, but they're they're right in the thick of it. Tying into teams that may be fool's gold if we're going to buy into the Bengals. The Broncos and the Panthers were both fool's gold. Fact or fiction, both teams started out the year 3-0 and and we got excited. We have some Cinderella up-and-comers and both have promptly lost three in a row. So fact or fiction, Denver and Carolina were both fool's gold to start the year. It's fact if you, if you actually believed that they were any good to start with. Uh, I I like both coaches, but neither team is is any good and wasn't going to be any good when the season started. Uh, they're trying to build their teams, and um, Denver could be on a new coach next year. I think Carolina won't be because uh, Matt Rule is going to build it into something. But it's it's fact that they're fools gold because uh, you maybe thought they were going to be good based on how they started the season, but they're not good team neither one's going to make the playoffs so fact it is uh definitely fact um they both played a bunch of terrible teams to start the year and so i mean the teams they beat i don't know if any of them have more than like one win so they just got an easy schedule to start they took advantage of that they're all right teams they're gonna beat the bad teams but they're nothing that's uh, a legit team that is gonna make the playoffs either of them I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go half fact or fiction on this. I still think Carolina has a chance. I, I still think there's some meat on the bone there for the Panthers. I like Sam Darnold. Christian McCaffrey needs to get healthy for them to have a chance. That's the big difference. They've got the defense in position. They've got the quarterback, but they need Christian McCaffrey, and I think they can make a run because I think the South, outside of the Buccaneers, you can feast on that division. And I don't know that the NFC is so deep that there's seven better teams than the NFC, then, then the Panthers. I think Denver's, as much as we all like Vic Fangio and a lot of that Denver team, I think they're in trouble. Speaking of teams in the AFC West who are in trouble, question number four, the Chiefs will miss the playoffs. 
bring in the fiction. heat, Aaron. Fiction. Nobody, nobody wants to go fiction, on record we get, against. We get one extra team this year, and so I think what's what puts us at seven teams. And so trying to think of six teams that are legit teams that are better than them, seven teams that are better than them, you so, kind of fall off after the seventh, eighth team. So, so if, you're talking about the Bengals have to get in. The Colts maybe need to turn things around because the AFC East sucks, right? So, so no AFC East besides the Bills are getting in. So if I give you Bills, Ravens, Browns, Titans, there's top four. If we if the Chargers win the West, there's five. Then you've got Kansas City, Indianapolis, the Bengals, the Patriots. I think you can I think you can can come up with five teams that are as good or better than the Chiefs right now. But like you talk about, is that six, seven, eight? Are there two more teams better than the Chiefs? Whether that's the Patriots, or the Steelers as well. So Steelers, Patriots, Bengals, Colts. Maybe the Raiders, dare I say? I would not. Uh, I would not bet that there'll be about two teams from that group that's going to be better than the Chiefs. Um, I think they've definitely fallen off. You can see from their defense and um, the way that some teams are playing them is a little bit harder for them. But they'll probably get a little bit more figured out. They got a great coach and they got great talent that. Um, they'll be pretty good by the end of the year. Good enough to make the playoffs. Will they even win a game in the playoffs? That might be a different story, but they'll be in the playoffs. Fiction because they'll, they'll get to 10 wins, which, which should get it done. Um, it's, it's really hard to see that Cincinnati is going to hold it up and, and get that far with how young that team is. You got to love their talent and their youth and where they're going. However, you're going to take Patrick Mahomes every time. You're going to take Tyree Kill every time. Travis Kelsey's the best tight end in football. You're going to take that every time. Uh, then you look at the Raiders. The, the Raiders are guaranteed to collapse. Uh, I understand that Gruden isn't there, but it's all of Gruden's people that are there. So they're going to collapse at some point because that's what they do. So um, the, the Chiefs are going to sneak in. I told you back in February they weren't going to make it back to the Super Bowl, and I stand by that, but I do think they'll make the playoffs. Heard it here first. Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase are the new Patrick Mahomes and Tyreek Hill. They've been replaced. I don't know about the Travis Kelsey part. Jermaine Gresham still with the Bengals? He should be. If he's not, I mean, I think he caught four passes there back 12 years ago. Nice. All right, and our final NFL question of the week, really the open-door policy we can turn this into to any NFL talk you want. But first, question five. Dak Prescott is the league MVP right now. Probably fact. He's doing pretty well. It helps to be in the Cowboys and doing pretty well. But he's he's looked much better, I feel, this year than what I recall before his injury um, from just kind of everything that he does he seems like a different quarterback, the one who's worthy of his uh, his new salary that he has. So if he can keep it up, which, I mean, he's got good people to throw the ball to. He's got a decent running game, got a good offensive line. Um, they're going to probably keep winning. And then he has all the all the pieces there to keep having a good season. And I would I'd probably say he wins it today if people voted today on it. 
So he is he's fifth in yards, fourth in passer rating, and third in touchdowns right now. Or whatever playing, that's worth. Well, playing for the Cowboys puts him on a pedestal, which helps. So so those numbers are great and all, but if if he was the quarterback for the Tennessee Titans, he wasn't going to get that. Those numbers aren't going to mean anything, but he plays for the Cowboys. So, Darren, I'm going to say fact. Let's let's rewind the tape six weeks to where I told all of your listeners that Dak Prescott was going to be the MVP of the NFL. Now, you went on your, your fancy little mobile uh, gambling device, and you put in a, a ticket on Dak Prescott to be the MVP. Uh, see if your book is offering you a cash out on that. Take the profit because the MVP five weeks into the season is certainly not going to be the MVP at the end of the season. So it is a fact that right now Dak would win the MVP. However, he's probably not going to be able to keep it up. They'll uh, find, find a quarterback now who is in that upper tier but not performing as well as Dak and look for that guy at the end. Maybe it's Lamar getting it again. Maybe it's Josh Allen. Uh, maybe it's Brady. Who knows? I mean, that uh, it, it very well could be. But right now it is Dak. Uh, since I said he was going to be the MVP, I got to stick with it. But if I were offered a cash out, I'd probably take the cash out. I unfortunately have to go fact on this right now. I was all in on Josh Allen. Their numbers are very similar. Allen's doing well. Herbert's doing well. Actually, I think it'd be between Dak and Matt Stafford if you really want to break it down. Plus Tom Brady. However, and I didn't realize this until I looked at the numbers, the Buccaneers are basically the Mike Leach offense. Brady's far and away has the most attempts on the season. His numbers are bananas, but the Buccaneers throw it all the time. He has 50 more attempts than Dak through the season so far. So it's crazy how much the Buccaneers are throwing the ball. I didn't realize that until you really look at Brady's numbers. I always like to talk about these MVP races, that they're looking for something new. And this is a pretty... I'm somewhere out of temper. He's probably going to be at the top throughout the season, right? They're going to keep winning. He's going to keep throwing the ball. Um, but that's pretty boring. Um, you know, Patrick Mahomes, he's already been around for a few years. So I don't care about that. Derek Carr, his team sucks. Matthew Stafford in a new place. If the Rams keep winning, that's probably a pretty good one to get into. Dak Prescott, if he keeps doing what he's doing um, with the Cowboys, help him out. Everyone loves Justin Herbert. I mean, what, a week or two ago, people were talking about Justin Herbert is replacing Patrick Mahomes as the best quarterback in the NFL. Um, he can put up stats. People are going to want to prop him up. Kyler Murray, right? Fun and exciting if Arizona keeps winning. And then, you know, Josh Allen is somehow almost the, the old talked-about person on this list because he's been good for a year and a half. But there's a, there's a good variety of people there, and it just probably depends on who sorts themselves out with their teams at the top as the season goes along and keeps putting up their numbers. But I'm going to go ahead and say it's going to be someone who has never won an MVP before that wins it. Does that help? Yes. Bold. And it'll help that Dak gets to feast on the NFC least. So I hope it up. I think he and that's where I think he and Josh Allen will separate. They play a division and those eat up on all their, their divisional foes. Justin Herbert may have a tougher road to hoe in that. And same with Kyler Murray as the season goes along. Anything else on your guys' football radar before we talk on a couple other quick topics before we get out of here? NCAA, kind of a week, week, week of college football games. I saw that big noon kickoff is going to be at Michigan Northwestern, so I thought, uh-oh, that's a bad sign. They're going to, I believe, the USC game is where game day is going to. So 
not a real dynamite week. It's almost that Oregon UCLA game and Iowa State Oklahoma State look to be the two best games on the schedule. Uh, not sure about the NFL schedule, but anything else football related for you? No, good seasons all around though. NFL, college, both pretty exciting so far. I forget every year how much I love watching football until Saturday rolls around and then you're like 17 hours straight of watching football and not being a good parent or spouse and you're just there and taking it all in and how awesome football is to watch. It's pretty incredible. You guys need to try it on the West Coast sometime where it starts at 9 a.m. It's even better. But then you miss game day. It's true. Game day is good, usually good. Get some get some stuff done early in the morning, have some breakfast with that on, and uh, pretend to do a couple of things around the house for a little bit, <laughs> and then uh, then games start and make sure the iPads are fully charged for the kids, switch is fully charged, <laughs> hand that to them. Make sure that the, the wife has a nice long list of errands that she's excited to go do, and so she's going to be at stores for four and a half hours. And... Uh, you're set. Make sure the fridge has some good, easy lunches that the kids can make on their own. So if, if you plan well, you know, that's that little time in the morning is pretty helpful. But uh, I would agree kind of waking up and just turning on TV and this game's on is probably pretty fun, too. Stay tuned for our parenting podcast. We're going to spin off from here. That'd be a good one. All right. So a couple other quick hitters before we get out of here. One thing I want to talk about, we've touched on this here in the last couple of weeks, just a little bit. Uh, but want to give a tip of the cap. Congratulations to the Chicago Sky, your WNBA champions. If you've gone back and listened to our WNBA preview episode from earlier this year, I, for one, did not see this coming from the Sky. I think I probably predicted right about where they ended up, about a 500 team. My my Las Vegas Aces did not did not pan out. But if you really if you want a true sports story, the underdog sports story, the Chicago Sky were a 500 team. Uh, Top eight teams from WNBA make the playoffs. So congratulations to the sky. As long as you have Candace Parker, you have a chance. She was kind of the straw that stirs the drink here. A team that's been together for a long time. Stephanie Dolson, Courtney Vandersloot, Kalia, uh, Kalia Copper was the big MVP for them. But Candace Parker, one of the true all-time greats in that pantheon of women's basketball players. Candace Parker is one of the best to ever do it. So congratulations to the sky on their big Cinderella run here. Coming from the sixth seed, taking down all the Goliaths on their way to the championship. A fun story for them. Uh, the World Series is almost upon us. Be probably started by the time our next episode rolls out. If you're like me, half of your picks went really well, the National League. The other half went terribly, the American League. Uh, but kind of one of the conversations I've been having with people is who are we supposed to cheer for as a general sports public? Because I feel like we are left with kind of all the teams everybody hates. We all hate the Astros now. We talk about that regularly. Everybody hates the Dodgers. Everybody hates the Red Sox. Are we, are we de facto Braves fans now just by virtue of all the other teams are, we hate them? First of all, we do not hate the Red Sox. We like the Red Sox. So we cheer for the Red Sox. Um, so Red Sox is obviously the first choice. Um, Braves would be the second choice for winning. I think that's, I think that's pretty obviously number two. Um, but to totally flip it around, what would be kind of fun would be the Dodgers and the Astros playing each other. Um, so from a, a fun standpoint of just a casual person watching, that's going to get the most interest from people to watch is if you get the Dodgers and the Astros to get out there and start saying bad things about each other and fans yelling at each other and stuff like that. So that would be probably the best for entertainment value, but, uh, we'll go Red Sox first. And then if they don't win the Braves. 
it's it's pretty obvious that Major League Baseball wants the Astros and the Dodgers to play just to kind of bring back the whole cheating thing from a couple years ago with the trash cans and all that crap. Um, the Braves making it would be super cool for the sport. Uh, young team full of guys that just want to play baseball. Uh, the Red Sox were supposed to win like 77 games this year or something, something below 500. I'm pretty sure is what they had. And, and for them to make it this far is pretty cool. Um, I, I'm not going to cheer for anybody, but if I had to pick a team to cheer for, I'd pick the Braves and, uh, just going to enjoy watching the series play out. We've had some good games so far, pretty close. Uh, getting getting to the World Series, and then uh, Darren just to jump back to the WW WNBA. It is cool uh, that the Sky won, and congratulations. The Mercury have Brittany Griner and Diana Taurasi, so betting against them is a bold strategy. Uh, but you mentioned Candace Parker, so it is cool for them to win. Those are my hits on those two sports. There, I want to jump into WNBA talk here. And so I'm dense follow WNBA super closely this year, ever since the Minnesota Lynx stopped winning. I don't care as much about the WNBA. Um, but you see, you know, these, these kind of last two rounds have been covered a lot. You saw them on TV and people talking about them. Um, and you see this championship play out and you see the teams and the highlights and you're like, well, it makes sense that these are the two teams in here. Like if I sat down, I was giving a big list of all the WNBA players besides people that played at Iowa or Iowa state like 70 to 80% of the people that I'd be familiar with were on these two teams. And so when you kind of hear that they were both like what, five and six seeds or something like that, that's none of them were, that was, that was kind of surprising. I thought that uh, there's some major, major names on these teams for, uh, for players. So, um, but it seemed like from an interest standpoint, when you had those major players that outside of when I lived in Minnesota and Minnesota was winning championships, this seemed to be the most WNBA talk I've ever seen on TV, social media, wherever it is, highlights, people talking about things, showing things. Um, so that's pretty good overall, I think, for the WNBA that people are excited. You had the big stars in there. Um, and, yeah, you know, Candace Parker, it, it probably doesn't get much bigger for current stars in the WNBA than her. So having her on the winning team um, is good for helping promote them. Yeah, and I think it was it was a really well done season. Playoffs were great. ESPN really threw their machine behind it, so you saw a lot more of it just in your general sports content. And you had a lot of the the great players, like you mentioned, the big names that people know. Plus, people expected the Seattle Storm to do quite well. And there you have Sue Bird and Brianna Stewart, two of the other huge names in the sport. So a a great season all around for them, and a lot of their big names. And I think you're seeing the proliferation of more talent throughout the league. It's you know maybe in the '90s you had a handful of really great players like Elisa Leslie and Cheryl Swoops, but I think you have a lot more amazing players and a lot more teams. So kind of a rising tide lifts all ships for them. And before we get out of here, uh, I'll give you one good minute on NASCAR. What do we have going on in NASCAR? It's been a couple of weeks since we talked about playoffs. I presume there's fewer drivers in contention than there were before. But what do we have going on in the NASCAR? Cup chase. Kevin, I thought you were going to jump in there on that one. Yeah, Johnny Benson got eliminated <laughs> in this last week, and so he is no longer in the chase, and so he is not going to be a factor in Miami. Three people in America are going to get that joke. 
And yeah, well, that's the three of us though. So that's what's important. <laughs> so, so we're, we're Kyle Larson still dominating. So he's locked into the final four. We're getting to the point here where just in a couple weeks, we're going to get to the final four um, as they uh, get to the end of the season. So Kyle Larson's one of those who has been the most consistent at challenging him is Denny Hamlin. And then another one who's really turned it on at the end of the season, which is when it's important is Ryan Blaney. Interesting. So you, you look at those three guys. Now it's going to take, it's going to take kind of a stunning performance for somebody to knock out Hamlin or Blaney, not saying it can't be done. Um, Brad Keselowski's lurking. Chase Elliott is lurking. So somebody could get in that, that mix and mess it up. Kyle Busch has been there before. Um, Truex got wrecked the other day, which really is hurting his chances. So uh, pay attention to Denny Hamlin because Kyle Larson is kind of there. It's his championship to lose as we come to the last month of the season. It's, it's Kyle Larson and then Denny Hamlin and Ryan Blaney. So uh, one of those three is likely to win it. That's not saying that Kyle Busch can't win it or Chase Elliott can't win it or Brad Keselowski can't. They just have farther to go to catch up. So uh, look to see what Hamlin does these next few weeks and if he can contend with Kyle Larson. Otherwise, it's uh, Kyle Larson has been far and away the best driver all season. But like we know in sports, what comes what it comes down to is that championship, that final game that final week that final race so uh that'll be what what plays out here in nascar that was going to be my question where where's kyle bush where's chase elliott where's kevin harvick where's joey logano interesting kind of a new crop there at the top and denny hamlin yeah they've they just haven't performed as they've gone through the playoffs and blaney's been pretty consistent and uh penske the other day came on and said hey look at the bigger picture ryan blaney drives for penske and he just said, keep that bigger picture in mind, and here we are. He's second in, in the points after last week, and um, he just he won some races right at the end of the last at, at the end of the regular season and coming into the playoffs to to put himself in contention to win. All right, so there you have it. We'll keep an eye on NASCAR here throughout the rest of the season. Anything else from you guys before we duck out for the night? Thanks for having us NBA on, NBA starting today. Yeah, that, that threw me What's off. Up? I thought we were still in NBA preseason. I didn't know we had actual basketball starting already. Yeah, right there. The same four teams this year, right? NBA starts in Christmas. NBA starts in Christmas. It does. It's uh, The first week is exciting, first couple games, and then it's kind of blah until football is mostly over. But it's kind of fun to watch when you get bored on Tuesdays and Wednesdays. There's not too much action going on. All right. Well, that's going to be our show for this week. Thank you guys for joining us. Thank you all for listening with us here on the Sports Gospel. We'll see you next time.